One hallmark of a good story is relatability. If you cannot connect to it, you won't get much out of it. But if you find yourself in the story, if you see some way that that story reflects the world as you understand it, then there's a chance that you will be affected by it. Jesus told lots of stories, stories that connect, stories that stand the test of time because they weren't stories about a particular person. They were stories about human nature and stories about the nature of God, a very particular God. Each of Jesus' stories is liable to affect you. An exercise we do, whether consciously or not, is that we find ourselves in the story. The way we find ourselves in the story is by who it is that we are attracted to, who it is we connect to, the the, the person we feel sorry for, the person we like, the person we think was done wrong, the person we think needs extra help. Usually that's the one that we see ourselves in. So if you're the responsible older brother type, the one who does what daddy needs you to do, you feel for the older son in that prodigal story. And and if you're the one who was a little more free-spirited, who went away and knew the grace of of mercy when you were received home, you identify with the younger brother. These stories that Jesus tells, they tell us about ourselves because they tell us about human nature, and they tell us something about God, about God's nature. So as you hear this story today, think of who you connect to. Think of what God is like. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. At about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They, They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. The other day I was talking about the 
Christian faith with a Buddhist who deals cards at a casino. I've never started a story like that. In fact, the main reason I'm telling you that story is because it gives me an opportunity to start a story like that. We were talking, we, I wasn't in a casino, we weren't playing cards. She came for another reason entirely. We were having a conversation, and in, in the conversation she was very curious, respectfully curious about the Christian faith. She wanted to know what we believed, why we believed, how we believed. The conversation got around to uh, that one of our beliefs is that, that there's not a tiered heaven, that, that, that there's not a better heaven for those who were better She said she liked that. In her work, it seemed like some people were able to curry more favor, that they were the ones who were able to get the schedule they wanted that met their needs, while she felt like she wasn't getting the schedule she wanted. She liked that in, in heaven it'd be sort of equal. She said she liked equality. Well, we were having a good conversation, but we had a few more minutes to talk, and so I decided I would let Jesus offend her sense of equality. I said there's a story we're going to talk about on Sunday, this parable. And in the story, Jesus says that, that those who work from the beginning of the day all the way through, that, well, he's, this landowner paid them the same as those who'd only worked one hour at the end of the day. And she immediately said, that's not fair. Exactly the reaction Jesus hopes for when his story is told. Exactly the reaction I've had when I've heard that story. If you're the one who identifies with those who've worked the whole day, then that's your reaction too. If you're the one who, who went to work early, at least one day this past week, because there's always more to do than you have hours to do it, you understand that reaction. That's not fair. And with that reaction comes the corresponding feeling that those who arrive early also feel, which is, if those others would get here a little earlier, I wouldn't feel like I always had to. It's a combination between what the, the ones who work the whole day feel about themselves and what they feel about others. Because the ones who work the whole day, well, we secretly want recognition for. The ones who work the whole day, we, we want to know that there's some kind of justice, that when we do all that we want to do, all that we feel called to do, that others will notice it and there'll be some kind of reward for the work we do. If, if we work the full day and somebody else works an hour, there should be, we think, some kind of corresponding reward. And I think that's right. I, I don't think that if somebody does one-tenth of a job or, or turns in one-tenth of an assignment, they should get the same pay as those who did the full job, those who did the full assignment. And I don't think Jesus was advocating for that, too. I don't, I don't think Jesus was coming along saying, let's upend this whole system of how you reward people. I don't think Jesus would say those who work and those who don't work get the same thing. Those who show up and those who don't show up get the same thing. Those who who do their part as well as they can, and those who don't do their part as well as they can should get the same. I don't think he's talking about that in our life whatsoever. I don't think Jesus is talking about the pay system that we've set up in our world. I went on to tell my new friend how I understand this parable. I said it may not sound fair to you, but, but listen to it again, because... The ones who worked the full day were paid the exact agreed-upon amount. 
that they were to be received. When, when they established that they would work for the landowner all day, he said, I will pay you the usual daily wage. They said, okay, they went to the work. If he had called them in and paid them first and they went home without knowing what the others paid, they would have left satisfied. There would be no grumbling. It's only because the ones who worked less were paid before them and they knew were paid the same amount that they were paid that they went home grumbling. Their pay was diminished because others received the same. The car dealer let out a big smile at that point. Light bulb went off. She said, oh, it's like that time when I dealt cards and the guy won big and then like only 10 minutes work, he gave me this huge tip, far more than I should ever kind of like that. I've never thought of that comparison, but, but it's kind of like that. It's like this enormous tip that we don't deserve, but the person out of his generosity chose to give. And then I thought a little bit more about what the complaint was. It sounds a lot like Jonah's You remember Jonah, he was called by God to go to Nineveh and to preach to the Ninevites, preach to them to repent because they were so wicked, and he went very reluctantly. He was, had to be encouraged along the way. He finally shows up. He starts to tell this message, this message that he's not very enthusiastic about giving, and for some reason all the Ninevites repent. They change their ways. They turn to God, and then he goes out and gets under that tree, and he hangs his head, and he lists before God his I knew you are a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing. I knew what kind of God you were. That's why I didn't want to go. The very thing that Jonah had found his hope in, God's mercy, God's willingness to forgive and, and let us repent, the thing he wanted to hold back from others. The very wage that those workers were given because they were promised it and the landowner gave them what was their due, they resented because they would have held it back from others. But that's God. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing, that's God's character. If you're looking for God in the parable, that's him, the landowner, the gracious, generous landowner. We expect a regular rate, and he pays us so much more. It is that tip that, that we never expected was coming. Even those who work the full day, they receive their daily wage, and they receive so much more. Now, my new friend would say, I don't know about that last part. They received what they were supposed to receive. I'll, I'll give you that. That's what they agreed upon at the beginning of the day. But, but how did they receive so much more? Those others, they received more. They worked less, got the same pay. I can see how they received more. How did the one who worked the full day for the same amount get the same pay? And you call that more. On Friday, my son discovered how he was going to make some money. 
So he told me this whole scheme. He and his friends had planned. They're going to go around the neighborhood and wash cars for people. People are going to pay them. They're going to make some money. I said, do you know how to wash a car? So we pulled our cars out and got out the bucket and started working on that. It was kind of a hands-on car washing 101. I told him my whole philosophy, I have a philosophy of car washing. You have to start at the top so the soap and the dirt comes down. I've got a whole system worked out. So I'm teaching him this. He's somewhat paying attention, and we, um, we have more time. So I decided I'm going to impart on him a, a, you know, more truth about life. I've got him right now. I've got the hose if he doesn't listen. I said, you know, one of the reasons I wash cars, one of the reasons I like to, to do yard work, one of the reasons I bake cakes, these things I do is because I like to be productive. I like to see the world a little better. If I've got a yard with grass and I can cut it and make it shorter, I've done something. I can see the effect I have participated in making the world better. I've used my help. I've used my skill. I've used my time. I've used my energy to do something good. That's why I do these things. I don't know if he got it or not, but but that to me is how we could say to those who worked the full day, those who for the heat, those who were out there suffering throughout the day, that you have actually gained more than those who just worked at the end of the day. Because they had a full day of meaningful work. You know, some people want to um, to hedge their bets. There's a Constantine, this is the kind of thing he was up to 1,700 years ago, wanted to hedge his bets. He would get baptized right at the end of his life so that he could do all he wanted until right at the end of his life. There's some people who want to be that 5 o'clock hiring. That I'll live my life for me until the end. I'll get in there right into the gun and everything will be smooth forever. I don't think they get as much out of life as those who start earlier in the day. I don't think they get to experience the meaningfulness of serving Jesus and the gift that comes from that when they start so late in the day. It's not that, that they're somehow going to have a lesser heaven. That's not what we believe at all. We, we believe that if you start at childbirth and you go for the whole life, you get the same gift and grace as you who start at the end of your life. That's, it's not about what you're going to get in heaven. It's about the gift of something that matters on earth. Those who work the full day got the blessing of a full day's work. Those who have been able to serve longer in their life get the, the blessing of a life of service. I don't think our goal should be to come in under the wire. I don't want this life to be mostly about me for as long as it can be about me and then finally about Jesus at the end. Every year this time we, we pull together stewardship campaign. We do like CBS or the United Way, we say, let's think about our giving and what's important. We're kicking that off again today. Curtis is going to come up in a minute and talk about it. But there's a difference. There's a difference between how the church thinks of stewardship and, and how other very good agencies think of it. And the primary difference is we want it for you. We want you to give of your money and to give of your time and to give of your energy and to give of your talent because it's a blessing for you. 
We need it. We need you to know what it's like to have as long a life of service and ministry for Christ as you can have, not to wait till the end. There's so much blessing in doing it now. Now, I don't know where you are in life. You're the, you're the choir. You're the ones who are continuing on this life of service. But I just want us to not wait this way. Not a day longer. Not a minute longer. Don't, don't miss that it is a gift. A gift to be able to serve now. To have meaningful work. 